Welcome everyone to the third episode of Talking Gang. As always, Chris Rodriguez here, joined by my uncle Lucas Skibba. We're going to get into recent news, some policy updates, some support from the tech world, big crowds that Yang is getting out west. Is that a good thing? Does he want endorsements from guys like Jack Dorsey? We'll update you on the polling updates. We'll get into the debates finally. What does Yang need to do to crush the debates? This is all that matters right now. Hope you guys enjoy. Did you get a chance to look over the new veteran ideas? Yeah, I mean, uh, some of this, some of these new ideas are old ideas. That he's just so, now posting. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that they're old ideas, like he's had these ideas for a while as he's posting, but these are also kind of hearkening back to the 60s and 70s and earlier when um, a lot of soldiers would come back, you know, from combat or from just being in the military in very specific roles. And the bar for entering these roles as civilians wasn't as high as it is now. So, like, for example, you hear a lot about um, army medics. You know, they go go into the military. They might be field medics or, you know, anything like that in the, the um, uh, well, the medic field. And a lot of them could come back, be EMTs, they can become nurses more easily than you could from civilian life. Um, that was pretty common back in the 60s, 70s, and earlier. And same goes for, like, police officers. Like, a lot of people in military training would come back and become police officers as sheriffs and all these things much more easily than they can now. Now you come back from, from the military and you're basically starting at square one, just mm-hmm. like everybody else. Which is absurd. So let's talk about what the policy is. What what I saw was basically that they would just make training that you took in the military specific to um, a job you want to go into in civilian life, make it count to that, which seems like a no-brainer. And then also has um, free tuition in state. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not necessarily free tuition in state. Um, Okay. It's that uh, the veterans, when they come back, no matter what state they want to live in and get their education, they get free tuition. Or they get in-state tuition. So The in-state prices. Exactly. So yeah, pre- okay. previously you had to live there for six months, a year, whatever right. it was. Like for, for civilians, it's usually like double the price. So Yeah. So that's a, that's a start. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a small... Um, a small part of his overall education policy. Yeah, I wonder how this really works, though, because if you get an EMT, like, for example, an EMT <clears throat> certification in the military, it obviously counts in civilian life already, right? No, not necessarily. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of certification. I mean, this, this goes for a lot of... So, but this goes for a lot of certifications. Like, there's a lot of people that get uh, basically engineering training for very specific things, mechanical yeah. engineering, stuff like that, in the military. And they're more military certifications, and they don't really... It's almost like getting credits at some random um, private university that doesn't transfer to a university, to, like a public university. Right. It's very similar. You might I wonder be able to how... test out. I think that's probably what he's proposing is the ability uh, okay. to test that's what I was gonna ask. Test yeah. into those things, which makes absolute like, sense. Yeah, that it seems like how has that not been done already? But <laughs> because, good question. 
Because we've had Bushes and Clintons in office forever, that's why. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, any other cool policies did he come out with? I mean, he hasn't really been... Um, he's been kind of re-upping UBI lately. I think a lot of that is the fact that he didn't get any time in the debates to really expand on it. So we've heard a lot about um, the the new freedom dividend from the Twitter winner. Um, so they're kind of, he's been kind of pushing a lot of that. Some follow-ups with the New Hampshire family that already got the freedom dividend. Um, and then I guess marijuana has been big lately. Uh, it's been recently brought into the uh, federal landscape. Trump was talking about potentially looking at decriminalizing marijuana at the federal level so he was kind of piggybacking on some of that to say hey you know that's already our policy um when we get into office for 20 2021 marijuana is going to be legalized yeah and let's give you a little credit here you said a long time ago you thought trump was going to get on the decriminalizing weed i mean it's issue. a <laughs> It's a no-brainer, and I mean... Right, it's just a win-win for... I, there's there's no one left that's really staunch about it. It's kind of like gay marriage, where it's no longer a thing where it's controversial to it support it. It can only it. hurt him to, right, to, to not take a strong it. stance against it. And I mean, when Well, he, no one's going to take a strong stance against it, but it's a matter Jeff of Sessions if he wants will. to lead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. and he got rid of Jeff Sessions. I don't know if that guy counts as anything at this point no but he got rid of him you know yeah. and i i would imagine that that's actually a part of it because jeff sessions was very staunchly against marijuana yeah like, that was god isn't that just such a weird thing to be <laughs> <laughs> to be on about it there has to be something behind that like why would you have a really strong personal conviction against it What's, i mean it's an it, it all started out as an agricultural um, right, lobby. and you think Sessions still has ties to that? I mean, it's possibly, but but I I don't think so. I think he's just yeah, looking so to what's demonize the reason? something. Okay, you know, I mean, I don't know. Jeff Sessions he's is like seventy nine hundred years old, right? <laughs> he's just bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just I can't find a reason for anybody to be extremely anti marijuana without having the same feelings about more mainstream you know drugs like alcohol yeah and things like that already um it just doesn't make any sense and the whole well you know it's already legal type thing is kind of a falls on deaf ears you know yeah so oh we can't just outlaw alcohol now and but like um in new york state they just made it uh they made it 21 to buy cigarettes where was that? In New York State. New York. Oh, did they? Yeah. So I think it goes into effect in January. I didn't. I read a small headline on it. Um, just read part of the article, but. I wonder so, what Yang would think of that. It'd be. I'd really like to hear his opinion on that. Yeah, I would too, because I think that's a good topic for him because cigarettes don't really have any potential positive uses. <laughs> 
<laughs> like right <laughs> there's yeah. only negative consequences of yeah. cigarettes and they're highly addictive and we already know that raising the price doesn't help Absolutely. to decrease consumption so maybe so raising the age seems pretty smart yeah. I, I bet yang would be behind that yeah absolutely and i mean that i think that's i think that's smart and you know i think because the same is going to be true if they legalize marijuana they're not like oh 18 no it's going to be at yeah. least 21 i mean yeah and it should be yeah there's a good argument that it should be 25 or more yeah um just because it's a uh, of brain development yeah it yeah. does impact brain development i mean so does alcohol you know but a lot of these things probably shouldn't be introduced until you're fully developed. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I know okay. a lot of twenty-five-year-olds that aren't fully developed. But. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the ones I know aren't. <laughs> Definitely, if they have the last name Rodriguez, they aren't. <laughs> you you so can, he, you can say that. By the way, <laughs> we need to make that clear for our listeners. Yeah, <laughs> that's my last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a not a Hispanic joke. Yes, um, it's a family joke. <laughs> it's a deeply rooted family issue. Uh, so he was out west this past week. Some he, he went out to Portland, and looks like he's getting a lot of big crowds when he goes out west. Uh, and he's getting some. Generally, just a, the broader point is that he seems to be getting a lot of support from the tech areas. Um, and he got an endorsement from Jack Dorsey. Um, yeah, and I mean that that was an interesting endorsement because it was very symbolic. Um, he donated a thousand dollars to Yang's campaign, so it wasn't so much Dorsey couldn't have given him more. You know, it's Jack Dorsey; he's a billionaire. Um, but he wanted to show that obviously he supports UBI, and he's been on the record for that many times yeah even before andrew yang yeah came onto the scene yeah he's um, an in- he's an interesting endorsement because jack dorsey's a very cerebral guy you know but he's also not a guy that's loved it's not like a no. jack dorsey endorsement is going to do anything for yang it's, no it's more of an interesting endorsement i think mm-hmm. it's more of a if because so, you can think about like uh I think it more points to that Yang is viewed as a friendly candidate towards the tech world. And I think if if he had been really loudly talking about breaking up Twitter and Facebook the way maybe Elizabeth Warren does, that he wouldn't have got that endorsement. Because, because it that, that sentiment is not based in reality. I agree with you. I'm just saying yeah. it's an interesting angle Yeah, that it's more, it, you know, that they're not endorsing. And, I mean, he also, I think he said Tulsi Gabbard was his second choice. Or he tweeted something out he about. He also donated like 55000 something to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign. Yeah, yeah. So two candidates that are. Because he's very anti-war. He's, he's, he likes her yeah, foreign policy. Non-establishment obviously. type candidates. Mm-hmm. That, but I mean, if you had a non-establishment type candidate, that you know, I mean, there's plenty of other ones out there. Well, when it comes to the tech world, though, like I think I think it's very misunderstood in general. Like, there's this there's this sentiment that like the tech world is like the hedge fund world, where they just want to like control the movement of all the money and you know, um, and 
just profit on the backs of people. Whereas the way I see it from a lot of these, you know, forward thinking tech people like Dorsey and Musk and a lot of others is they see tech as kind of a means to a better, you know, human experience. And I think that's where Yang really resonates because UBI is really that ultimate, like the futurists can see that that is the ultimate end, you know, like we get to a point as a species where we have all these things that can perform all the necessary and even a beyond just necessary work for us. And now we need to make sure that everybody, you know, shares in the rewards. I think that a lot of these tech businesses, they're not massive workforces, you know, they have a very high uh, revenue to employee ratio. So like, it's all just kind of absorbed in that really small group. And the only way that you combat that is some kind of like, big policy or like way of approaching humanity like UBI to um to benefit everybody is there an angle though that let's say elizabeth warren on stage says to yang you were endorsed by the ceo of twitter when some topic comes up about giant um social media uh companies that need to be reined in i mean yeah i think that's a big um i think that's a big risk uh but you think what is taking I, so endorsement for Jack? A, I think there's a good chance that that kind of response is going to come out eventually. Yeah. Um, and that is going to initially seem negative, but I think it's pretty hand, easy to get around though, because can't he just say, "Look, these are the smartest guys in tech right now, and they're way ahead of their time all the time." Yeah, you know, we should be looking for support from people like this. We should all benefit from the collective, you know, um, uh, <laughs> brain trust, brain trust. Yeah. Of yeah. America. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, I think, I think Yang's actually used that same phrase. He just, used Oh, has it. he? Yeah. But the other thing is like, okay, Biden, Harris, Warren, Sanders, you all want to come down on Andrew Yang for, proposing this approach that's tech friendly what the fuck have you done yeah like we're look at where we are like through all these years like all the clinton years all the obama years what the hell have you done bush years the i mean the bush years too but you you know they can argue against oh well bush was president so there's nothing i could do you know but yeah like what happened all those years lobbying just got worse i mean it's just it's absurd. and they're also out of touch there's so mm-hmm. many you could you can go find so many clips of congress you know interrogating a tech person or ceo of some bank and, and they, they sound, don't even know they what they're no, asking they're, they hardly know what an iphone <laughs> is like yeah. they can't talk to you about privacy rules on facebook yeah anyone it, listening should definitely watch uh jack dorsey and or Mark Zuckerberg's testifying to Congress. Yeah. Because it's one of the most comical things you'll ever know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But. So that. So he's in. So what do you have here with Neuralink? 
Yeah, so I mean, this is was just an interesting kind of sidebar. Is uh, we've uh, we reached this point um, that Elon Musk just announced a technology they're working on that basically connects a computer chip directly to the brain, and they're calling it Neuralink. Now, this is Elon Musk, so take it with a grain of salt. But he says that shaker. they're going to have one uh, implanted and active by the end of 2020. And they're already doing it successfully in animals routinely. Yeah. So. so it's just a it's just an interesting um, an interesting comparison to why we need somebody like Andrew Yang that pays attention to this kind of stuff yeah. and understands how like this sort of technology can create such huge potentially create such huge boosts in productivity and things like that that there's just going to be a point where um we need to think differently about how we distribute the, the spoils yeah you can't have things. leaders who don't even know who elon musk is I know. most of these guys in congress if you asked them what Neuralink was they'd probably think it was a breakfast sausage or something it's, they have no it is idea. incredible to me that we do not have like some kind of board yeah with of, all of, of the i mean trump kind of did that he had he? at the beginning of his presidency he started having all these big tech entrepreneurs bezos all these people in to you know discuss the country um but it felt like it was more of a um i don't know a boys club and you know they were just trying to benefit the wealthy or figure out how they can be better billionaires Mm -hmm. and trump didn't really listen to them all that much and they're just like all right well you know we're not going to continue this charade to make you look good when you're not really going to do much about it um but i think it's it's silly that we don't have like regular conferences with our government in a positive way with people like jeff bezos and elon musk and you know all these other people that are really kind of they're creating the future faster than the government can and they are far outpacing the government so we need to figure out the only way we catch up to them is by knowing where they're going and preparing to kind of come along with it and prepare our country and our economies for this because i mean by a, a flick of the thumb amazon starts making their own product and completely eating up a category with branded products yeah i mean this isn't this isn't 1980 where it it takes you forever to make these connections and eat those things up if you have the money and the resources we agree on that and i wonder if yang do you you think he has does he have any policy out there or has he said anything about how he's gonna make some kind of a technology board or something i mean if we have fucking nasa why can't we have some kind of division of the government like that oh boy i'm i'm not getting this off the top of my head um but he he was um proposing uh like the department of technology or something like this um i can't remember what it was off the top of my head i wish i could um but basically that where you'd have this kind of um Maybe it was the Department of the Future. It was something like that. I'm checking up. Um, 
I can't find it off the top of my head. Or or at yanglinks.com. Pretty awesome uh, resource for any of you guys looking up specific topics and where Yang stands on them. Um, but he, w- he wanted to start this department that basically looks at the future and pr- plans mm. for these things, you know, to make those connections with people that are at the forefront. Yeah. I mean, hire someone, pay them, you know, even if it's someone who already has a company, some kind of tech company, pay them a bunch of money to come in and, and advise on your board once a week or something. Mm-hmm. It's worth the investment. Okay. Let's talk about the biggest thing that happened in the news this week, which was a tweet. So first of all, just we all know what Trump tweeted about the four congresswomen um, saying that if they don't like America, they should go back to their original countries, which for all of them, as far as I know, is America. And um, everyone was obviously outraged and got a lot of likes and retweets on Twitter out of hating on that tweet. First of all, what's the correct take on the tweet? Yeah, I mean... So, at best, it's extremely racially insensitive. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just can't imagine somebody, especially somebody that's the president of the United States, to even, like, insinuate that an American should go back to one of these other countries. Like, at, and it, it was directed at these specific people that were all ethnic you know um, does that matter do you think does I, does it matter to trump i guess what i'm saying is if there was if there was a white swedish immigrant woman among those four would he have said the same thing i don't know i mean maybe but it to me it's not even that if he would say the same thing if it was a different uh background of people like it's a it's it's just not something a president should be saying right you know i mean it's not something somebody's manager at taco bell should say i wonder though everyone (laughs) agrees with you on that though right like everyone yeah no one i haven't seen anyone come out and say that it's a great tweet by the president we Mm -hmm. need more of those but um i'll put it this way you know like Trump has said some really just terrible stuff that is directed at races of people, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, if it weren't for all of those things, sure, maybe this is just a very insensitive error. But, I mean, it's, like, what is, like, what is the line? Have we not crossed it already? Yeah, I think (laughs) we all agree that Trump is, at best, super archaic in his... I, th- I think he's races. just like in a socially like inept in his choice of words. <laughs> he definitely is. Yeah, but that's if, the you best. Know, case if he's scenario. a racist, everyone seems to agree he's a racist. Only he knows. He said some pretty racist things, though. Yeah. Um. So Yang tweeted, characterizing members of Congress as being from another country is part of the problem. We need to come together and stop putting up false barriers between different groups of people. In response to Trump's racially insensitive tweet is that strong enough i mean i think i think it's the most presidential i mean well i mean all the other presidential candidates came out much stronger than that i mean 
the the thing is, I think he's thinking more about like what is the benefit of um, ganging up on the president and trying to turn like this is one of those things where at some point when everything everything that involves a race is racist, nothing's racist anymore. And I mean, we gotta really go after these overtly you know overtly racist people that are saying other races don't deserve what they deserve that are yeah but is there even that much of that we don't know because everyone's getting labeled that right yeah that's what i'm saying though it obviously if there was slavery we'd be going after that really hard if we're still living in the 60s where they couldn't use the same bathroom we'd be going after that really hard but what is there to go after today that's obviously in the public view like the president is that we can go after really hard well i mean there's there's obvious um i mean there's plenty of racial profiling that goes on i mean whether you want to consider that racist yeah but it's it's usually on like the individual level isn't it not if you're part of that race it's not well i mean you're an individual if you're part of that race no but what i'm saying is like if you're a part of a certain, if you're part of certain races, you're going to be generally treated differently than other races. I agree, and I understand, but I'm saying, how do you attack that? You, um, no, yeah, you have to attack every individual um, instance. It, and it's not every individual instance of racism. Like, there's there's being racist, and then there's instances of, I mean, maybe maybe it is racism. I don't know the Webster definition, but like. When people are being treated unfairly or differently just because of their race. Like, when that kind of things happen, more people need to stand up and, you know, stay standing up until something happens. Like... But it's way easier to tweet about the president (laughs) than it is to do that at your local grocery store. Well, it's the easy target. Like, everybody cares about Not only is he an easy talk... Yeah, sorry, not only is it an easy target, but you can pin all other racism on the president now. So everything that happens in the U.S. Yes. that's racist is now a result of Trump. Although, I mean, and I I think I've said this to you before, but the, it definitely has emboldened people. Nobody, I don't think anybody denies that. Mm-hmm. Like, the way Trump is very lackadaisical about talking about other races... Mm-hmm. And definitely inappropriate, especially for the president kind of Yeah, ways. it's really like he just kind of got stuck in the 60s and, like, and now hasn't pe- had a TV since. People are willing to speak out. Like, I remember yeah. when Trump was um, just elected, and uh, I was in Las Vegas for a conference, and I met up with um, some acquaintances of a friend and that I was with in Vegas for this and they just suddenly start so they started talking about um started talking about uh black people in a derogatory way and at the time i lived in a predominantly black city you know white people were about 20 percent of the population and it was like 60 or 70 percent black and all my neighbors were black like i actually had this one hispanic neighbor but like we're all cool like people are people man you know what i mean like, everyone's cool if you're cool with them. And uh, they just started talking shit and saying, like, started using the word coons 
and things like that when talking about black people and I called them up like dude you guys like that's first off that's super racist and you shouldn't be talking like that my friend Steve that was with me looked at me like what the hell is this <laughs> like they, we these guys never talked about any of this stuff before and I he was on like a vacation with them in Alaska never mentioned anything and then eventually they're like oh you don't know black people if you were around them all the time you'd know what I'm talking about I'm like, uh, yeah, I am around them all the time. All my neighbors are black. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I've never had a problem with it. Like, people are people. Some people suck. Some people don't. And it's not because of their skin color. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and we, that's we left the kind them. of racist, racism yeah. we should call out. Yeah. Exactly. But those people would not speak out like that beforehand. Especially yeah. out of their environment. Sure, they would at home. They lived in, uh, I think it was Georgia. Um, but not when they're out in Vegas around like everybody, you know, yeah. in the middle of a busy casino, like waving their hands and yelling out coon. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, we had to leave, but yeah. <sighs> and to be clear, we should call it Trump as well mm-hmm. as the overtly racism that we see uh, in public. But at some point it's like. What is the point? Well, like Andrew, you need to vote him out, not. You Andrew know? Yang made a comment. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Um, yeah, so it was today. He says, "This is going to sound odd coming from someone running for president, but I think we pay too much attention to what's going on yeah. with the president. Yeah. We know who he is. If he verifies it for the one thousandth time, it should be considered barely newsworthy." And I saw a lot of people comment on that and thinking that he was talking about how we talk about Trump too much, and I didn't even see it that way. It's always no. kind of been my opinion that we we value the the position of the president way more than we should, and they're way less powerful than we think they are, and we cover them way more than we should. I think that was just a general statement about that, and he's totally right. I think it could have been both easily you know under the but that's how i took it when i read it i was just like yeah why do we talk so much about the president i agree with that and that's actually something i wanted to mention is you know when i think about this election and all the different people that are up um for the presidency uh in the primary the only one that i can think of that would have any kind of significant tangible impact on my life would be andrew yang why why don't you think that Bernie Sanders would? I I just don't think he has the substance. And honestly, I don't know if he has the... Uh, length of years. It's not that the <laughs> length of years. I don't know if he has the ability. You know, he's been in Congress so long. Yeah, and he's really done anything either. There's really no policy you can point... He, it it kind of seems like you would kind of get the four congresswoman as the, the president. He's the of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Kind of like what AOC and company are doing right now. There's a lot of talk, but it, you're creating an environment where you can't get anything done. I mean, that's important. Like, we need those kind of people still. Like, the people mm-hmm. that are going to bring up the the very difficult topics and talk about things that... Yeah, but if you're Rand Paul and you're just voting against the 9-11 survivors getting... Yeah. Just because you want attention... Yeah, it's absurd. It's, and if you just become a filibuster president, and I, I could definitely see that as being Bernie Sanders. Yeah. No, I Even agree. Elizabeth Warren could end up being like that. It, to be honest, Joe Biden might get more done than 
Warren or Bernie Sanders. He, he probably would, but he would get more of he would get more wheels. Very vanilla done. policies would get passed. Yeah, yeah. nothing. Yeah, would more Obamacare if, type stuff. And I mean, like this neural link thing. You know, one year from now, they expect to have these chips implanted in a human brain mm-hmm. working. Like, you think we got another five? You think five more years we're not going to have serious employment issues potentially? I mean, it could happen. Serious so brain quick. cancer issues too. Yeah, right. Five <laughs> G. So this. Do you know who this Soul Dad O'Brien lady is? She's she's been a a, a news anchor. News for anchor. A very long so time. she was very upset with Andrew Yang, saying we need to come together as a result of of Trump's racist tweet and said, and this comment, Andrew Yang clearly, with this comment, Andrew Yang clearly does not deserve to be leading anything, much less the country. Get lost with your lame both sidesing of racism. So leading <laughs> anything, he should leave his wife and he shouldn't have kids anymore. Yeah. Uh, seems, <laughs> This I think I only bring this up. I don't think it deserves any time talking about it, but I only bring it up because it's what everyone is doing with Trump and his racism. Instead of giving any kind of real substance or where do we go from here, it's just how many agreement tw- uh, retweets and likes can I get on this tweet? Like it, it it's an easy thing to tweet. Oh, bad tweet by Trump. We all agree. You know, you can either just say that or give some kind of, okay, we need to move on and move forward together and vote him out of the White House. Yeah, it's this this identity politics, you know, yeah. where it's you're either with us or against us, which we, we all know our neighbors, you know, we all know our family, we our friends, everybody we interact with. That's It's not that simple. Like, <laughs> we all yeah. disagree with each other on all kinds of things. and Nothing in life is that simple. No, it's, it's, and it shouldn't be. Like, you don't... No. It would be boring. You don't arrive at, at at meaningful conclusions if you're not coming at it from all these different angles. Is it maybe good for Yang if he can get some attention? Even this... So, for example, this tweet, it's negative attention, right? I don't know that it is. Her response, specifically. Like, First off, it's definitely not turning any of his um, supporters away. I oh, I think it might be bringing supporters in, and that, <laughs> that, that's the that's point the that I was getting to. That it, it, when you pander to this one percent on Twitter, the way this news anchor is, uh, that's what you get. You get two thousand yeah. likes out of it on Twitter, but you don't get any votes. I think the best thing that could happen to Andrew Yang is that people attack him for reason (laughs) so he's being reasonable and pragmatic about things and people attack him and way more people in real life are reasonable and pragmatic than twitter makes it seem absolutely yeah twitter's definitely not a good gauge of uh, so my point of that is just maybe this is a good thing and if if more people respond to trump this or to andrew yang this way it's probably not a bad thing I, I guarantee you way more people clicked on her tweet and was like, you know, that's a pretty good response than the amount of people that liked and retweeted it. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of bad press for Andrew Yang. Yeah. Okay, let's cover his polls really quick. So he's already qualified for the next debates. All that matters is the debates that come after that as far as polling is concerned. Uh, so let's just talk about his polls. Uh, Democracy for America had him at 7%. I, I think... Uh, really liberal poll 
Um, but he passed some much bigger names on that. Uh, one interesting point about these polls that came out, uh, people were pretty concerned about UBI. It was at number five for yeah. the topics that they're most concerned about, which is pretty incredible considering nobody was talking about it before Andrew Yang came into the picture. But what's also important is that Andrew Yang has many times said he's not an issue candidate and he's not running to raise awareness about this issue. He's running to be president. So I think it's important to make that very clear that these things are kind of hand in glove. The more people learn about UBI, probably the Mm -hmm. more people are going to support Andrew Yang, but his long-term goal is still to be the president. Um, And then the link between Yang and supporters and UBI, 72% of his supporters said that UBI was their number one uh, concern. So not surprising there. Yeah. And I mean, the, uh, the end of that, uh, that democracy for America poll, um, had Yang in fifth, uh, just a few percentage points behind Biden, but, uh, double almost his next closest competitor, you know, Buttigieg. Um, and I mean, I just don't see Yang's, um, support tailing off. I mean, this this next debate is going to be so critical, yeah. but we'll also, get into that a little later. All the people behind him right now, uh, I think a significant portion, at least half of them, are not going to make it to the next the dip following debate, and that yeah. a lot of that support is going to go to Andrew Yang. It's not going to go to Joe Biden. Nobody's going to get fired up. It's going to go to it's going to go to Williamson. <laughs> Some of it might. You're laughing, but I would not be surprised to see her and Yang in the next debates. I think some of Buttigieg's supporters go to her. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, because I think they're both feelings candidates. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. I don't know, though. Buttigieg is such a... He's such an establishment guy, and Williamson obviously is not. He he is and he isn't. I mean, a lot of his platform is we need to change the... uh, Yeah, but he doesn't remind you of Obama. Maybe in the way he speaks, but not, he's not like an authoritarian. Like, Obama had some, like, serious punch behind him when he spoke. Like, he spoke with authority. Right, so I don't think the way he speaks reminds me of Obama, but more of, like, young guy, very little experience. Um, People are drawn to something that makes him a member of a minority group. Um, And also... Not a lot of great policies, but people seem to be somehow inspired by him. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see his, uh, I don't see his support um, maintaining. I just feel like no. he's a lot like O'Rourke. Yeah, I could see that. He's not as annoying, but he's as <laughs> he's kind of flaky. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. And no one has been more. Can you think of who, what candidate in the, like the last three presidential elections has been more annoying? Than Beto, maybe like Mike Huckabee. <laughs> Mike Huckabee wasn't that annoying. Uh, Ted Cruz was. Ted, yeah, well, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz was until recently. He he kind of mellowed out. But yeah, the, yeah. the early Ted Cruz. Yeah. The preacher Ted Cruz pausing after every. I, I would say, um, what's his name? Um, the dude that won in Iowa that I'm totally forgetting. Super annoying. I think he's from Oh, uh, Rick Santorum. Yeah, Santorum <laughs> is definitely the yeah. most annoying. Yeah, he was oh, really bad. Horrible. He definitely seemed like he worked at like 
True Value or some hardware store or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Where you had to like, where they don't sell nuts and bolts in bags. You have to like yeah. bag them yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. You bag it. <laughs> That'll be okay. Us. So, the big topic of the night: the debates. So first is positioning. We got him right to the right of Joe Biden and to the left of Kamala Harris, if I remember correctly. So it's Biden, Yang, Harris, left to right. Uh, so I think, it's, right I think it's the them. other way. I think it's Yang, Harris, Biden, but yeah. I don't think so. Okay. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's in between those two. We all agree. Great position, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it could get better. Yeah. The I mean, only thing I could I, I'm yeah. Yeah, I probably couldn't get better. The only if thing If he was is, in the center <laughs> then it would be better. Yeah, if he was in the center or somehow not But that would mean he has fifteen percent already and that would be amazing. Did they do that? Because I thought I read that it was literally drawn out of a hat. No, it was they they drew out of a hat how they were all gonna be on stage, like which nights. And then the lineup was based on their uh, percentage of polling. I mean, Yang's at 2%, so why is he in the center? Because look at all the other people on the debate stage with him. Well, he's on with, let's see, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Castro, Bennett, de Blasio. Wow, he really is above all those guys, isn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even remember who my, oh, Michael Bennett. He's the guy who got embarrassed by Tulsi Gabbard, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. And then Kristen Gillibrand. Wait, no, no, it was. Uh, wasn't it the dude? Oh, that was dropped that Tim out? Ryan? Oh no, it was Tim no. Ryan. That's right. It was definitely yeah. Tim. Ryan. No one's dropped out yet. No, uh, Swalwell dropped out. Swalwell, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he's on night two, July thirty first. He's in a good position. What does he need to do? He definitely needs to get time, which we all know. How does he get time? Uh, well, I think just positioning. And um, he needs to step up when an opportunity happens for him to speak when Harris and Biden are going at it. Should he be more <laughs> forceful about it this time? Yeah. I mean, I think he needs to be more direct. And the thing is, he's going to be on camera. So if he's trying to speak yeah, up, they won't be able him. to ignore him. Like, he yeah. was far removed last time. Um, yeah. So I think he needs to speak up, but... They CNN did come out saying that they intended this to be more of a conversation and less of a question answer thing. Oh so boy! I think that I think that bodes well for Yang because he's in a position where they're definitely going to ask him a question. It's yeah, CN- but you get CNN, a conversation. They're gonna, you might get Biden and Harris talking for a long time. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, okay. I think a lot of that has been hashed out. In the last few weeks, the whole... Oh, I'm not saying necessarily at thing. each other, but they might. you might get candidates who are basically filibustering or taking a lot of time. So hopefully there's some kind of moderation I mean, for that. Joe Biden didn't do much of that in the last debate. No, Biden didn't. So I don't think he's going to, and I don't think... so. But they're really tight on it. Kamala Harris had a... Or Kamala, I don't know which one it is. Who cares? But <laughs> she got a small bump from the, since the last debates. Um, yeah, I mean she got a higher, huge bump, but she tailed off. Yeah, well that's pretty normal, I think. 
Well, I mean, she's almost back to where she was. No. I mean, yeah. She was like, I mean, she was below Beto and Booker when those debates started. She was way down there. Yeah, but she, so she got that debate bump, and she's dropped, you know, three or four points since then. So, I mean, I think yeah. she's going to be, she's near where she was back in, like, March. So, so like, it, yeah, unlikely that she gets another big bump out of this. Yeah. And then you look at, um, like, Yang's support has been steady and slightly growing, um, but he hasn't had a chance to break out, you know, out of that 2 percenter and below range. So I think this is the debate where CNN starts going after these candidates that aren't certain to make it to the next debate. Mm-hmm. And because Yang, I mean, let's let's look at the lineup. <laughs> so Yang, Gabbard, Castro, and Booker are probably the only ones um, people are very interested in. Nobody likes De Blasio. I don't know yeah. why he's running. I mean, he, he looks like a mobster too. If he like, were a Republican, only Republicans from from New York City should be able to run in the presidential election. Everybody hates all the Democrats. Yeah. I mean, other than Bloomberg, like he, he's probably the only one that would have been a good, good pick. Um, but no one likes de Blasio. No. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Well, he that's kind attention. of, that might not be a good thing either. When you talk about these no names, they might be, I mean, they're sink or swim right now and they're going to be looking for a moment the whole time, trying to get some airtime and, I, don't, I mean, well, Yang's like, not good at that, right? No. Um, well, maybe. I think he. I think he's going to get more by default just by where he is, and the fact that he did get shouted down on the last one. I think he's ready this time, but I do think the people that are nearest to the center on the stage are going to get the most attention, not the ones that are in the center because they're they're the lock. Like mm-hmm. we know. Sanders and Warren and Biden and Harris are all making it to the next debate. We all know that. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. But O'Rourke, uh, Buttigieg, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure about Castro. I think Castro probably does. He's probably the one that squeaks at the bottom. But, like, Gabbard, Yang, and uh, Booker, I think, are the three biggest names that are going to get the most attention in the next mm-hmm. debates because they have the most, they're the the two most interesting I think are Gabbard and Yang, mm-hmm. um, but Castro and Booker both also have fairly interesting backgrounds and they they speak from a place of authority and people don't know that much about them yet. Yeah, and Castro's got that he's he's so far left on issues that he can I could see him riling up a small portion for. A, of mm-hmm. voters for a for a short for a short period of time that yeah could maybe enough to get in into the, the next debates yeah i mean he yeah. has the supporters like he's already hit the yeah. 130 so mm-hmm. i think a lot of those people are going to make it but like if you if you look specifically at just supporters like the amount of donors they've had uh i think everyone that's below that 130 right now is a long shot I don't yeah, think yeah, they're gonna Gabbard is below that one thirty right now. Yeah, she's even a long shot. Yeah, um, she's probably gonna. I'm, I'm hoping she has a chance to at least get on somebody's cabinet. 
Um, yeah, I think she definitely. Well, yeah, depending on the president, but if it's Yang, she definitely will. But yeah, uh, I mean, was it Bullock that wasn't in the last one? Oh, I didn't even know. So Bullock, was... Bull, well, Bullock's on the on the first day, um, but I don't think he was in the last debates. He didn't qualify. I'm pretty sure. Oh so, yeah, I've never seen him before. Um. So I think he's probably going to get some attention. Probably not too much. Uh, Governor Montana. Okay. Yeah. Because um, he was running, and I think he missed some... He he started running late. Yeah, yeah it was like the middle of May. He announced that he was going to run. Uh, I remember that now with a really cheesy ad. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's the one. And then Tom Steyer started running too, and he's a self-funded billionaire. Who knows where he goes? I don't know that he's gonna make. He's definitely not gonna make the cutoff. I don't think for the next debates. But Wait, who is he even on these debates? Tom Steyer? No, he's oh, just he's so he... he just announced he's running, so he will oh, not have I the see. donors, and he probably won't get the donors anyway. Um, what a weird thing to do! Why are you getting in so late? It seems... I don't know. I it's mean, free airtime. Like you have to make those debates. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. You don't if you're a billionaire. So we talked a little off air about it, uh, the strategy that we think Yang should have, and I mentioned that we should get that Yang should kind of pick a fight with Biden. Um, you didn't like that idea. I don't mean <laughs> to pick like a Harris type fight with no substance and just yelling, but just kind of a point of disagreement or where Biden the data shows that he's wrong about something that makes a lot of sense to people. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be UBI, I think. Yeah, but Biden can just say, you know, that they can look into that or something. But maybe if he picks some kind of topic that, you know, even if it's healthcare, where, you know, Yank can bring up something like you can't have an option because of the death spiral or because of, of something like that, that makes a lot of sense to people. And Biden just kind of doesn't know how to answer. I think the, yeah, I think the, the attack to Biden is his um his recent defense of maintaining obamacare because it it's already kind of old news and everybody agree well not everybody but many people agree that obamacare in its current form um is wasteful yeah but we know biden isn't trying to keep it because he likes obamacare it's because it symbolizes obama well, he, I mean, he did defend it in a way that he was saying, you know, we can't just throw out Obamacare. We need to try to make it better. Right, when, because he's when, saying we can't just throw out Obama. No. Where yeah, he's trying that? to keep the Obama voters. I mean, because all, all, already Maybe. everyone, these people on the far left have pretty much said Obama didn't do enough and he wasn't good. And Biden is here to say, I worked with Obama to all the people who really love Obama. And if you say we're getting rid of Obamacare when he worked on it with Obama. I don't know. You would it's kind of throwing Obama out. You'd think if that was his goal, he would he would say Obamacare was a great start. And yeah, but now in the end, the you're still throwing it out. To take the next step to universal health care. But know? in the end, you're still throwing Obamacare out. No, and no to, you're not. I mean, to these moderates who loved not, Obama, you're throwing not Obama if you, out characterize it as the first step 
you know, like Obamacare was always like he could easily say Obamacare was always this first step to achieving universal health care for everybody. You know, I mean, that's that's an easy leap. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. I think the attack on him is his Obamacare protectionism and just characterizing him as, you know, old politics. You know, like that's not working anymore. No, but I I don't think Biden I I don't think he cares if you call him old politics. I think he wants to be called that. Yeah. I think he wants to be called that, you know, by the group of people who voted for Obama and miss him and see the far left is too far. So what do you how do you think you attack Biden? I mean, how would you attack Biden? Because honestly, I I have no idea. Well, why not? I mean, he has to say something where Yang in his head knows right away the data about something and how that doesn't make any sense. And he can be like, hey, can I just say something quick? I just want to point out, actually, da 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 What would and that it, be, do you think? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't know if I, mean, I mean, it could be something come. like Biden bringing up immigration and how it, how it relates to the jobs that are being taken or what we need to do about that. And then Yang can be like, actually, we automated away over 4 million manufacturing jobs and it has way mm-hmm. more to do with automation than it, and give some real numbers where oh, Biden yeah. is like, oh, I've, it's clear that he's never heard those things. That's 100%. That could be a really his, good moment. His opportunity is waiting for somebody to drop the ball on why uh, the economy is at risk. You know, somebody's going to say, oh, we got to get wages up. We got to get this up when, well, yeah, sure. There's definitely a wage discrepancy right now going on. But the bigger picture is not that we're running, like we're running out of jobs. Like we're going to run out of jobs. There's just, uh, it's just a matter of time. Whether that's going to be five years, I think you can say with a certainty that in 10 years, there's going to be a significant loss of jobs. And they're not all going to go to NASA. Like, we're not just going to displace a bunch of truckers. And so if he can point that out to Biden, which is obviously his thing, but that doesn't have to be. I think he's really smart about a lot of issues like that, where he kind of knows where everyone is talking about a problem, but they have no idea where it comes from. going to be his opportunity. So I think there's going to be an opportunity at some point. Somebody on stage is going to mention this $15 minimum wage thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when Yang will be able to step in and explain why minimum wages at by the hour, you know, are not the solution for the economy. Um, I mean, because I, I, they're doing tasks that we don't need. You know, it's yeah. interesting because, yeah, I mean, I see all the time. Everyone sees us who has a, an office job. Or you're just paying someone to be there for a certain amount of time, and they're not doing anything. For however much time of the day it is that you don't need to be there, why don't you just pay them and send them home? Yeah. You know, like, everyone would be happier. They'd be more productive when they are in work. This minimum hours that you have to work thing makes no well, sense. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of avoidance of responsibility. You know, like people try to look like they're busy because... Well, you have to or you'll get fired. Yeah, you just get given more without any benefit. Yeah, you either get laid off because you're not needed or you get given more work and you don't get any more pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you can do more? All right. Oh, you're good at your job? Here, do some (laughs) more work for zero more dollars. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was interesting, like, this week, you know, Bernie had the uh, thing where some of his staffers called out that they're working for less than $15 an hour. Right, which is a little deceptive because it was actually salaried workers were saying on average they were earning less yes. than $15 an hour, which, which is pretty normal for a lot of salary workers. In my opinion, that is, like, absurd. You should not be salarying people at that low of wages. That's a, that's ridiculous. That's Well, a, but if you're on a campaign, you're working a lot of long hours, and you, you yeah, I, mean, I know. It'd I be mean, like a farmer. I mean, you can't average out his earnings by hour. It'd make no sense. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be like some kind of distinction between volunteers and workers, though. Like, and if you if you're having workers on a salary that equates to fifteen dollars an hour or less, I just think that's, I think that's taking advantage. Like fifteen dollars an hour is not a huge wage. No. You know, that's thirty thousand dollars. Like thirty thousand a year, yeah. And thirty thousand dollars a year on a salary, you better be allowing these people to work based on performance and go home early. Cause like that is just that's a terrible wage. In the end they decided to just have them work less hours. The only reason you pay somebody a salary is if you're paying them based on their performance or you're trying to pay them to work way more than 40 hours a week. Isn't it incredible that Bernie's solution was just what Andrew Yang would say to do? Just say work less hours. Like instead of having to put in these minimum wages for people that you don't need there anyway, send them home. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> Seattle Seattle's actually a big um, example right now of the $15 minimum wage. They instituted it back in 2015 for certain size companies, and 2017 it became um, required for all companies to pay a $15 minimum wage. And what they found, so like this is kind of for the $15 minimum wage, um, is all the people that were already working lots of hours, like extra hours, their pay went up. So that they, they're doing great. You know, they may get a lot more pay. People that weren't quite, maybe barely working 40 or working less than 40 hours a week, um, they ended up working fewer hours a week. But their raise made it a wash. So now they're working less hours, getting the, paid the same amount of money. And all these, most of these businesses that said, oh, we're leaving town, you know, if this wage hike happens, they didn't. You know, they adapted. They paid people a little bit more and worked less hours. You know, and the businesses are thriving. Like they've had, uh, they've had like an increase in restaurants by like thirty percent in three years, which is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the example. Is like we, like you're saying, we're all working way more hours than we need to, and it's not because the business needs us there for all those hours to be productive, like. They could send us home early and pay us the same amount of money, yep. and yep. the business will still thrive. Probably yep. better. Yeah. I mean, the only place that doesn't really, um, it hasn't helped people at the fringe. You know, people that were making really, really bad wages and working only part time. A lot of those jobs have disappeared. Yeah. Okay. So, so Wednesday, July thirty first, night two. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
We'll get the debates. We'll get Andrew Yang, and we'll come back with a post-debate episode. That'll be our next episode. Hopefully come out on Thursday, Thursday or Friday, and we'll talk about what will hopefully be a great night for Andrew Yang uh, and what he did good and bad. And then hopefully the following episode we can talk about some poll numbers, see where we're at. How's that sound? That sounds great. Can't wait for the debates. Hell yeah, this is going to be the best of them so far.